Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells you all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away three months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian Social Services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language, and he will be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul at 518 474 8390. That's Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390 to please voice your concerns to keep Bradley here in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. I have a return guest on. I have Lee Grenade on. She was last on December 3rd, 2022, season three, episode 168. And uh, we had talked about her case, which is out of the 14th Judicial Circuit in South Carolina, which has enabled the Murdoch's for years. And uh, the super lawyers, the solicitors for 100 years to prosper since the 1920s. And then I had her on um, December 15th, 2022, season three, episode 178, where she gave us an update on her case and the rogue judges and attorneys in the low country of South Carolina. I welcome you back, Lee Grenade. Um, You know, I'm so glad to have you back on. And, you know, now that Alec Murdaugh is in jail, do you think this culture down there will you know will change or you know is Alec the scapegoat or is he just you know is this going to be a a total stain on the low country I think there's um, I think there personally I feel the low country is very stained with corruption Um, I, I can't imagine it any other way though I'd like to um, Alec, I think you could, I mean, you can look at quotes from people like the attorney, Eric Bland, who, who helped the Satterfield boys so much. And I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he said, you know, it's not just about Alex. This is a system that has enabled uh, it, this type of corruption. Um, and, you know, one has to remember if you, if you study it a little bit, these people have been in power for Gosh, is it 1910? Um, so, I mean, this is a well-oiled machine. This is a well-fortified infrastructure with a solicitor, with sheriffs, with, um, you know, people in high places, mayors, um, the top brass of law enforcement. People did not get judgeships and other positions there unless they were on the Murdoch Insider group i you know this is a well-established fact it's not really my opinion um so mm-hmm. you can look at campaign donations you can you can look i mean who has a volunteer prosecutor right i mean alec murdoch was a volunteer prosecutor up until i think august of 21 and I, i'd love for someone you know if any of your listeners have that in their region i'd love to hear about it because to me, it seems crazy, but they just, it shows how they did things their own way. Mm-hmm. And they made up the law as they went along. 
Oh, for sure. Behind locked. I mean, all of my courtroom doors are locked. You know, they're supposed to be open to the public and they just, you know, it makes it even worse that South Carolina does not elect judges. So the judges will tell you they're elected, but they're elected by this little committee and the Senate. And then they go to the House and they're confirmed. And it's, it's a joke. It's a total joke. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have many strengths, but I consider myself pretty resourceful. And when these judges come back in front of these committees, like every I think it's every six years. I missed one of my judges by by a couple of few weeks last year. And I remember just being sick at my stomach thinking, how did I do that? But, you know, it's not stuff that is out front and out there for public consumption. They want this kind of thing behind closed doors because then they don't hear about what these judges are doing. I mean, just earlier today, I was petitioning um, I think it's Article 15 in the South Carolina Constitution, but I'm saying, hey, representative, this is this is at your disposal to use for when judges go rogue, completely rogue. And I have, um, you know, I'm happy to say that I think we are getting attention at the, you know, the state senator representative level because they know what we're saying and that Alex didn't happen in a vacuum. There's a lot more like him Um a lot more like him. And there's a lot of, a lot of craziness going on. Mm -hmm. Because that law firm evolved into Parker, Parker law or whatever it's called now. And so those basically those same attorneys are still in there. I've heard of a few that have left. I can't tell you which ones, Um, but absolutely. And I've, you know, from very good sources, I have heard that things will be coming out for years you know, this is not, again, it's, um, they know how to cover things up. And I I feel like Alex probably was, you know, he got a lot, he got a lot heaped on him. Um, They allowed all those financial crimes to come out during court. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, it's really hard to believe that as smart and as educated as all those people are, and that big, huge law firm that is now renamed the Parker firm. I think that was a PR suggestion. Um, it's hard to just imagine they were that ignorant for that long. Yeah, um, especially when I was you know, listening to the hearings and I think it was a paralegal was saying, well, this check has to be mailed out to so-and-so. And Alec would say, well, I'm going to see so-and-so tonight. Just give it to me. <laughs> you know, I, they do their own thing. I, They do their own thing. And how is that working out for us? <laughs> right. It, Not it, it, it affects everybody. Um, you know, it's the South Carolina bar apparently has no interest in ethics accountability. And it goes as high as the Supreme Court in North Carolina or South Carolina. <laughs> You're correct. I mean, just yesterday I got a letter back from um, the South Carolina Supreme Court because I had submitted a FOIA, a Freedom of Information request back after Judge Deborah Malfres did um, did what she did with my case in December. I wrote the bar and I said, 
no, I'm sorry, I didn't write the bar. I wrote the South Carolina Supreme Court requesting their policy on drug and alcohol testing of judges mm-hmm. because it really, um, I mean, it was almost inco- incoherent what she was saying and she contradicted herself multiple times in this, mm-hmm. in my case, as shown in the transcript um, that I now have on appeal at the appellate court. But, you know, it occurred to me how do we know she's not impaired? She's over there on Amazon on her phone. She's mm-hmm. setting her alarm to, you know, to do the timer. I mean, tacky middle school stuff like that. And I said, you know, I wonder when was the last time she peed in a cup? And I, uh-huh. um, and would you believe the South Carolina uh, Supreme Court, the general counsel finally wrote me yesterday. So I think they're supposed to take 30 days to respond to a FOIA, but they took about 120 At any rate, he said, we cannot provide this information regarding the policies or Judge Malfres's last testing results because no such documents exist. So I forwarded that on to um, Senator Rankin, as well as Representative Weston Newton, who chaired the Judiciary Committees and the Senate and the House and said, did you all know this? Did you all know? I mean... You want your surgeon to be sober. You want your, Mm -hmm. I mean, really? I mean, why wouldn't you want your judge to be sober? So I, you know, is that, I said, this could explain a whole lot. So, um, and the other thing just about the bar, I will just provide this brief update that unfortunately I've, I've turned a lot of attorneys to the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, Historically, I would get back these canned responses saying something like, you know, there's nothing to see here. We're dismissing you. And it's very deflating because, um, uh, you know, it wasn't like I took these lightly. It wasn't like I didn't support my arguments. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like they didn't have footnotes and attachments and or recordings. It was it was legit. Mm -hmm. And um So historically, they would be dismissed. I will say after Alex, so since the fall of 21, I've only turned in two since that time. Um, One was dismissed because of his death. Um, That's actually my ex-husband or was my ex-husband's attorney, which kind of a well-known fact that he couldn't stay sober and, um, you know, very sad obituary, but the family did request that uh, donations go to, I guess, one of these um, treatment facilities where they had tried to get treatment for him or Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the other one is thankfully still under investigation, and that's Beaufort County Attorney Robert A. Church, mm-hmm. who oversees or advises the police there and you know, other county entities and who inserted himself into my Beaufort County family court case and then said he didn't. And I, again, I asked the bar too, does, you know, does his mental competency need to be checked? Because here's his affidavit with his paralegal signature. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know. How old I, is I, he? Oh, he's, I want to say he's probably in his late fifties, but, um, yeah, I think he's in his late fifties, a little bit younger than my ex, but they were, they were friends before college together in the late Mm seventies. Yeah. I, I think 
all judges should be drug tested and psych evals at least every two years. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Right, right. I mean, you cannot be too careful with judges. And let's talk about their finances, too. It's, you know, Judge Mullen's another one out mm -hmm. of the 14th Circuit who's got big time Murdoch connections. And if you go back and read her history, there was a lot of objection to her nomination, which makes total sense for this. You know, essentially, she's still a baby lawyer, fresh out of law school, and here she is being nominated. And mm -hmm. You know, she's pushed through back in 2011, um, that same attorney that is thankfully now being investigated by the ODC, Robert A. Church, that he was representing a county entity, actually, the EMS at the time. Um, and the, that particular EMS driver, paramedic, whatever, had actually taken nude pictures. Mm. Yes, of, um, of patients and downloaded it to their personal computer. So um, in that case, the, the victims, the people that had been violated by those county paramedics had lawyered up, obviously, and were seeking damages. And Mr. A. Church and Judge Mullen had these ex parte communications and they were they were documented and um, they were front page of the paper. Um, however, Judge Mullen um, didn't like being questioned by this opposing attorney and held him in contempt. So, you know, for releasing those records. Now, it came to find out that if you've heard the name Jay Bender, who I think is just, just this incredibly brilliant legal mind who was the, or is, I think he's on his way out, but the, um, the press associations for the state, he has been their attorney for years and years, and he has authored so much, you know, great, and he's done so much work for like getting information out that, you know, a lot of entities I think would like to have hidden indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Bender actually commented on that case for the Island Packet and said, you know, somebody is not remembering their constitutional law very well. This is, it was, of course it's okay. And he even cited a 2003 case that he had out of York County, South Carolina against the police there in the ruling at the appellate court at the time was that, um, or I guess still is case law that, um, the, the safety of the public should supersede and, you know, be greater, you know, be a much, much greater overarching issue than any privacy issues of a county employee. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of making the case, why can't we apply that to the state bar? Because when I make these complaints to the state bar, I would like to know, you know what, have 57 other people made these complaints. Mm -hmm. But the way it is now is they wrap it all up in secrecy and you can't get it out. Same as with a, um, you know, same as with other providers, but but it would be good if we could leverage that kind of case law to make these complaints more visible. Mm -hmm. um, we have had very public ones about Judge Mullen, um, but I'm sure, I mean, there's got to be a lot more, more that they have essentially buried mm -hmm. is my hunch. Well, apparently Judge Mullen helped Alex Murdaugh hide his assets. And she used her position, uh, you know, 
that people trust her to enable his fraud. And I don't know why, as a judge, you would put your career on the line like this. That's the last thing I would do. Yeah. Um, but it's remarkable. But, yeah. And the Supreme Court won't discuss her conduct. And this is what's so frustrating for a lot of, you know, a lot of people is you've got these problems with these people that are above the law. And there's a bunch of them. And they're all sticking together. And there's just little you. How can you get any justice? You know, it's just, it may not happen. We may die trying. It's um, its a long-standing problem. Judge Mullen lives in a three-and-a-half million-dollar house on Hilton Head. You know, how does that happen? She makes 198000 a year. Mm-hmm. Sure, her husband does well as an attorney, but three-and-a-half million? I mean, that's that's um, quite the spread that she has. And for her to have been caught on dash cam video trying to orchestrate the arrest and incarceration of another attorney Mm. in her neighborhood that she found annoying Ernie, Uh the attorney, um, you know, nothing happened there. Nothing happened when, um, the first solicitor, David Pascoe out of the Orangeburg, um, Orangeburg judicial circuit, um, you know, he did his best. And it's my understanding from reading, you know, what's expected of attorneys and going through their bylaws and stuff. They're supposed to out bad behavior. Mm-hmm. They have an obligation. And I believe Eric Bland, who is really just leading the state in legal malpractice. But I think he says the same thing is he has an obligation to expose bad behavior among judges and among attorneys. And certainly he did his part with Mullen as well. I believe he even co-authored one of those letters that um, Solicitor Pascoe sent to the Supreme Court. And I looked at Mullen. I'm always checking the bar and seeing whose status has changed. And she's in good standing. And it makes you think that, you know, who's really in charge here? Because if you're if you have fidelity to the law, as you expect, the Supreme Court would. Um you can't explain that. You mm-hmm. cannot explain that. I mean, I just rattled off um, three instances, you know, the, the Pasco incident that stemmed from his prosecution of Richard Quinn. And mm-hmm. that was at a time when the attorney general appointed solicitor Pasco for just trying to uncover all this corruption, you know, where is it happening and what do we need to do about it? And, um, you know, I guess then he, he took his job seriously, but that wasn't the AG's intent that he really be serious about it. And so then he got sort of pulled from that commission, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't know. It just looks like a lot of times South Carolina does not want to, doesn't want to fix the corruption. Or is it these people on the inside know that, um certain people are actually pulling the strings that we don't know about. I mean, it, to me, it speaks volumes that Alex's team would not object to the brother of one of the state's lead witnesses, the corporal at Colleton County Sheriff's department being on the jury. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would not want, if I was accused, God forbid, but I mean, if I was accused of something like what Alex was accused of, 
and I really felt like I was being set up or whatever by police, would I want the brother of the police officer sitting on the jury? And I wouldn't. But I think that you have to, you know, kind of tease out that question. Well, did they think police were in the bag? I mean, they hosted them routinely. Mm-hmm. You can see those relationships. If you look at any of that boat crash video, mm-hmm. you can see, um, you know, his son had killed a girl, you know, I know it was an accident, but, you know, he never wore handcuffs or got a real mug shot. I mean, Alex, it took, um, it took, gosh, what, six, what is it, 405 days for Alex to be indicted. Mm-hmm. You know, you or I, Marianne, would have been indicted like within hours. Right. So, I mean, you cannot, I mean, there's special treatment and it's well documented. Right. And I felt bad for Mallory Beach's mother because she wanted to go visit the scene and she saw Alec and Maggie drive by and they were allowed to go back there, but they wouldn't let her go back there. I just think that's just so wrong to do to a mother. I can't Uh, imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how gut-wrenching and, um, you know, she's a lot more more polished and restrained probably than me. Same with Maggie's sister. I mean, they were so polished and restrained. I um, I can't imagine their grief. I, and to compound that grief, and, you know, you, um, I think the Netflix one really, probably more than any other, has highlighted the fact that maybe it was intended that her body never be found because mm-hmm. no body, no crime. Mm-hmm. And that's a horrible thought. I mean, <clears throat> so horrible, but you know, it does kind of make you think that maybe that was, that was the hope. You know, cause I found it strange uh, that it took them that long to find her. I know they were saying the current was heavy and strong, but you know, um, her boyfriend came up really quick. Why didn't she? Well, it just do- that just does not make any sense. And it makes you wonder too if they had really employed all of the resources at their disposal. Because uh, I believe it was last August. It was definitely last fall of 2022. But SLED had dispatched a scuba team to go and do all this diving near um, the home of John Marvin Murdoch to go and look for a gun. You know, were they there looking for Mallory Beach? Because it was actually a, I have a mutual friend with the Good Samaritan who found her body. So they were volunteers. So Mm -hmm. how does that, you know, I I don't want to speak if I don't know about it, but to me that just looks um, a little wrong that you don't have sled or everybody, you don't have every resource you could possibly get, but actually it's volunteers out there looking for is just sort of, it wouldn't sit well with me. Right. Oh, definitely. I totally agree. Um, You know, then there's, you know, the matter of Duffy Stone who, you know, hung on to the this murder case, then suddenly steps back. Oh, he's um he needs scrutiny. He needs some scrutiny. And I um, you know, full disclosure is I do have um a bit of a bone to pick because he's been mute. I mean, I've actually gone up there to his office, knock on the plexiglass and asked to see it. I mean 
called and called and emailed and emailed and um, every which way I could think um, mail, traditional mail, hand delivered mail. I mean, it's just everything. Um, won't investigate my house fire. Um, so mm -hmm. full disclosure, I have a bone to pick, but um, I took a class recently from a journalist whose dad was instrumental in uncovering a bribe that Richard Nixon took by Howard Hughes. And mm -hmm. So Mr. Phelan had actually um, done a biography on Howard Hughes, and it was very interesting to me to try to kind of learn about how these public officials, how they do what they do, how mm -hmm. they end up in $3 million houses, mm -hmm. um, you know, on their 120 or 190 something kind of, um, you know, salary. There was also a top brass in Beaufort, um, you know, he would jet around the island and his his fancy Porsche or his Harley. And you're like, what does he make? So I do a FOIA mm -hmm. and it was 105,000. And I'm thinking, how does this, uh, how does your mouth, where are you moonlighting? I just don't get it. But at any rate, I did a deep dive on Duffy Stone's mortgages. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's remarkable to me. It, mm -hmm. to me, and I've sent it probably to a dozen or so people to ask for verification. Like, am I looking at this wrong? What am I, what am I not considering? Because his wife's name's Holly Cork mm -hmm. and everything's in Holly Cork's name. She has his power of attorney. He has been solicitor since 2005, six, mm -hmm. when Randolph the third retired and governor Sanford appointed him. And then he's been elected ever since and largely supported financially by the Murdochs, depending on who you believe. Um, that may have been the reason why Alec was the volunteer in his office to kind of continue to keep that Murdoch influence and oversight on Duffy Stone. However, if you look at the, the timeline of the murders, which I think June 7th was the murders, June 21st, Duffy came out and said, there's no problem with me prosecuting this. Now, he had recused himself within hours of the boat crash, within hours. Mm. So how he was that connected to the boat crash when it involved Paul Murdoch, you know, and obviously Alex's boat, but wasn't connected or didn't feel compelled to recuse himself when it was this double murder and Alex involved at Moselle. I don't know. Again, you know. I, I can't explain his rationale other than it was fishy. A lot of people were saying it's fishy. Fitz News was, um, they do such great work, I think. And they they were out in front saying, this looks bad. Why is he not recusing himself? Mm -hmm. And that rocked on for 65 days. Well, in the context mm -hmm. of those 65 days, so June, July, August, there were three major changes in Holly Court's mortgages. So two of them were paid off. One was taken out. Two were two were satisfied completely. A line of credit and another, a line of credit which went up to a um, million dollars initially, then went up to they shrunk the ceiling to five hundred, and then another mortgage I believe for two forty three or somewhere in that neighborhood. So those two were satisfied, and it's to the tune of seven hundred and so thousand dollars in July of 21 that just evaporated from his mortgages. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, I, 
inquiring minds want to know, how do you do that? And at a time that you are supposed to be prosecuting, investigating whatever you're doing, the, you know, the most notable, potentially the most notable murder in South Carolina history, at least in, you know, contemporary history, and you're fiddling with your mortgages this much, it looks bad, it smells bad. I've I've asked them two or three times to explain it. I don't get a response, but I keep hoping that somebody in the media will will kind of pin him down and say, hey, tell us how this is done. And, you know, just like with judges, you know, mm-hmm. where are the financial disclosures? Mm-hmm. Because this is really fishy. You've got, you know, um, again, from that class, it was, there's a lot of LLCs. There's a lot of mortgages. I mean, this is the way that public officials are bought and paid for Mm -hmm. and they're not going to walk into the bank with a sack of money. They're not going to, you know, walk in with a a six or seven figure check. They're going to do something that's not, you know, right up in your face. And I mean, it it begs the question. I don't, I I just wish people would give them some scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why can't people just do the right thing? And I, I guess if you, grew up in that family you were just taught to behave this way you know and that's a very comfortable it's a very comfortable way of living well i mean even letting minors drink uh the one girl was saying oh we'd go through the back and and there was a bunch of liquor in his office and they were 16 for pete's sake they were able to drive uh how safe is that i I just was uh, very shocked that that was even going on or even uh, allowed. I, I just don't get it. Maybe I was raised different, probably, but um, there was just, they were just too out there, in, you know, and doing these yeah. activities, and they just slid on by. You know, I think it's a mindset that rules just don't apply. Rules mm-hmm. just do not apply to people that um, that are in that circle. You know, it's noteworthy that Duffy Stone's wife was actually the daughter of a state representative. And she assumed his position when he died um, suddenly. I believe she was only 23 when she joined the House of Representatives. So... She's an insider as well. And certainly if someone has, um, you know, certainly if someone has, has been a student of the Murdochs, which Duffy Stone was as his mm-hmm. assistant, um, you know, they've, they've learned some tricks of the trade. This is, mm-hmm. you, I believe they've learned some tricks of the trade. Um, there's just a different way of them doing things. It's a different way of um, a different set of rules. I, I've been told that um, by someone who would, who would ride around with Maggie or go places with Maggie that, you know, it wasn't unusual for her to be going 85 miles an hour on a two lane blacktop and just, you know, they would ask her, don't you need to slow down? And she's like, Oh, don't you know my last name? You know, it's just not, it's just no accountability whatsoever. Same with, I mean, with Paul, I guess after he's kicked out of public school, he went to the private school. And I have friends that sent their children there who would 
everyone, apparently it was common knowledge that Paul would come to school drunk mm-hmm. and the, the kids, I mean, I say kids, the teenagers there would, you know, kind of make fun of him. I mean, just sort of, you know, poke jokes about how Paul's drunk again and kind of stumbling. And those kids would be called to the office and disciplined for their making fun of Paul. We, you know, that doesn't, that's not okay around here. We don't make fun of the Murdochs. Um, and you know me, I'm just sitting there like, you know, those mandated reporters that did not yeah. report, they had a hand in all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they let that go, or were they threatened not to call, to make that call? Uh, you know, I, it's just, it seems really inexcusable. Um, it seems really inexcusable, and I hope, you know, if that had been me, I, I probably would have called. I would have called. Yeah, I mean, that's still, you know, obviously a minor, even a child coming in intoxicated to school is not safe at all. And they were enabling his behaviors. You know, his family raised him. And from what that documentary on Netflix was saying is that the mother didn't give Paul the love that she gave the other son. And and uh, I guess that kind of reflects in his behavior as well, which is very sad to me. I did hear that statement, and I think it was it was Paul's girlfriend, I think, who said that. And I that's the only place that I've heard that. I, um, you know, to me, it just seems like both of those boys and. The whole family was just sort of coddled in their own world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I um, I don't know. I just not letting them get in trouble for a car accident or mm-hmm. going to school drunk or you just. I mean, I want people to call in my children. If my children are doing that, hopefully somebody is going to report them because I'd much rather them get in trouble now and get the correction that they need so that, you know, it's not going to escalate so that mm-hmm. we're, you know, that poor beach family is mourning the loss of their be- beautiful daughter because mm-hmm. of it, because mm-hmm. it's con- you know, continued unabated for years. Right. Right. And had they caught this way early, gotten him help and put him in a rehab, got him into a program, Mallory Beach would probably still be alive. You know what else? Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what else kind of what popped out to me too on the Netflix um, that I hadn't heard before was that, and maybe it was Netflix, I hope I'm citing this correctly, but um, that Alex and Maggie had talked at dinner the night of the murders about Paul's blood pressure and the swelling around his ankles. And you know, to be 22 and to have that. And then if you look at the last family photo, I think, which is at the sister Marion's house, maybe when they were having a baby shower, Mm -hmm. if you look at his ankles, like around the lower part of his leg, it does to me look a little bit edematous. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, okay, well, is this, I have to think, you know, is this starting to look like an alcohol, you know, to be 22 and to be having those... You know, if it was that, that's purely projection on my part. But, uh, you know, hypertension and swelling, I mean, those are 
those are pretty classic alcohol related symptoms. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder, was he starting to even manifest clinical medical symptoms of alcohol abuse at his Mm -hmm. super young age? It's just all around tragic. It, it really is. I, I feel bad for, you know, his death and, and even his mother's death and how all that played out. And even the brother, the other brother, what, what's he even doing with his life? They said he was kicked out of college. And uh, I just would like to see him go back into college and finish his degree and go on with a decent life. It's my understanding he graduated from college, um, graduated from college, but uh, maybe there was a plagiarism issue in law school. Um, And then I guess in the jailhouse tapes, there is some some discussion about $60,000 kind of to sort of buy Buster's way back into law school, which, you know, attorneys are kind of up in arms about that I've heard from. Um, like who can buy their way into law school? And, you know, mm-hmm. they think that's really, really bad. But my position's more just look at what they get away with once they get out of law school. Right. That's always, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's bad that they're buying their way into law school, but who are they? You know, another problem we have in the 14th circuit and on my little Facebook group called clean up the 14th, um, I mean, I've been I've been apprised of attorneys that are serially drinking, driving under the influence. And what happens, one of them even um, nearly crashed into a police cruiser. And what happens is you have these judges that or mm-hmm. Solicitor Stone who just make it go away. And so um, two of them even died on the same night back in September. You know, both of them well-known drinking problems on the island so you have to you know are they complicit in that by not helping them get those consequences but you know it's going to be bad it's going to be really really bad when one of these serial offender attorneys rams into a family one night or a pedestrian or you know and then we had all these warning signs because Mm -hmm. what I had to do to investigate one of them was I had to submit a FOIA for the dash cam videos because there was no paper trail anymore. It had been expunged, you know, taken care of. So, um, and I did, I sent that to the bar because you know what? That's, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous. It's wrong. It ruins, I mean, whether or not you agree with it, it ruins a lot of lives when people make that kind of mistake, be it either the victims or the perpetrator, but you know, they're not above the law. And I, you know, I, I'll be bracing enough to tell attorneys, you own a law degree, you don't own the law. Mm-hmm. So know the difference. Right. Right. That's excellent. Um, you know, uh, I'm glad I had you on. <laughs> uh, no, I'm glad I had you on. And, um, I'd like to have you back on again. Sure, um, I'd love to. With an update to your case. And um, all of this is just, you know, I know that Alec Murdaugh is up for on appeal now. Um, 
I don't know what I don't know what you think of that, but I I just don't I I don't know what to think of that. <laughs> you know, I think that um, that we could pretty much guarantee that was going to happen. I think that was they had that ready. Um, I think that it will be interesting to see how you know a brother of a state witness on the jury plays out. It will be interesting to see how the journalist who leaked all the demographics about the jury, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was bad. Um, you know, I believe that was day, well, the night, I believe after the jury was chosen, a certain journalist leaked all the demographics, like uh, their age, their age, their gender, um, their employer, and then what they did, what position they held with that employer, like, the driver at the monkey farm in Yemisi, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of very specific detail where it's not hard to figure out who I was on the jury. Um, the court TV, even, I believe they panned around when they took Alex out and they showed all of them. And then you have, um, you know, the defense, I don't know, will this stick with the financial crimes? They objected to that throughout and then the, the defense objected to the inclusion of that whole botched up whatever it was with the um, with the boo boo on the head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they had all these objections. I think they probably have laid some really good foundation for appeals. Maybe um, it will be interesting to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you, I mean, his team brought it every single day. I thought I thought his team was. Um, they poked enough holes and it was remarkable. And then they have that dismissed juror just Mm -hmm. with hours before deliberations who is supposedly a hard, not guilty. So now she's lawyered up with Joe McAuliffe, who also represented Connor cook and basically just said, she doesn't want to talk, but you know, or you think that at some point she probably is going to want to talk. Um, And what is she going to say? Because that's really sketchy that, you know, she was investigated for her, for her conversations. And it's just, it just seems really odd that one out of 12, who's the hard no is really being investigated. Just like it seems really sketchy that of 1200 potentials, you've got, you've got the brother of the corporal, um, from Colleton County in your jury box, it's just, it doesn't set well. It doesn't sit right. I've talked to other people who were there studying it much more closely than me. And they, they're kind of echoing the same thing. It just, it just doesn't, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be good TV. It'll be good. Um, you know, it'll expose a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, how can people reach you if they want to talk to you? So I'm on I'm on Facebook, Colleague Grenade, or um, or Clean Up the Fourteenth Judicial Reform. Now, we are hoping, and, and gradually, people have come forward. Um, we have we've partnered with a friend who is putting our stories out on TikTok now. So the one on Duffy Stone is got I think nearly 700,000 views on it 
So there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of, um, a lot of interest. A lot of people, I think, kind of, they know what we know, but maybe they're not, maybe they're not comfortable coming out and saying it yet, but maybe they've experienced something like it. Some of them won't even talk to me privately about it. Mm. Um, another thing we're doing is we're launching a, a little um, LLC, hopefully next week, but we're just going to look to serve sort of as liaisons between, between people that need an attorney and their attorney that they may choose. And Unfortunately, with all that I've gone through and a few others like me have gone through, is we have quite the dossier on most, a lot at least, of attorneys in the low country. And, um, you know, Alex, if he has shown anything, he has shown that these people are not to be blindly trusted. If you're not vetting them and you're not looking at their associations and you're not looking at what they've done to other clients, mm-hmm. you could you could potentially turn out like I did. So, um so anyway, we are we are looking at doing something like that. We're and we have consulted with attorneys, and we will be able to refer to a small, carefully curated group of attorneys that we do trust and um, are happy to give referrals to. But we're actually, um, along with a couple of friends, I'm, I mean, I'm being asked just about every week by friends or friends of friends or family of friends, Lee, I need an attorney in the low country. What do I do? And I'm saying, <laughs> yep, let's, let's set, set aside some time to talk and I'll help you yeah. because it's, um, you know, it's a bad, it's a bad culture. Lots of opportunities for cleaning it up. Well, maybe now's the time, you know, we can hope. Definitely. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off, okay? Slam the gallows, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Lee Grenade in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, Marianne.